to this. Hello, and welcome back to Pathways um, with your host, me, Todd Allen Baker. Uh, welcome back this week. It's been a few weeks since I've been in the studio. Um, today's guest is a longtime friend, um, Miss Sonia Selby. I met Sonia, we did back-to-back -back contracts when... 1999 and year 2000. So it's been a minute and I really, I've chatted online several times with her, but I've not been with her or seen her since year 2000. So it's been a minute. Um, and she's moved around and I'm really excited to have her on because we've had, uh, different kind of guests. We've had female dancers. We've had male singer actors. We've had, um, you know, we're, we're having some more people come on that are more singer dancers and this Sonia's specialty is, you know, she'll let you tell her story, but she is a powerhouse female vocalist who has her own shows and she's always a Joe to work with. She's um, high energy and she has a great show that she's been performing for a while now. And, you know, I've known her for all these years, but I don't know if I know or remember all her story. So I'm going to sit back and I'm excited to hear her story again, because it's probably been years since I've known it and let her take me down memory lane. But we always had affectionate names. She loves Tinkerbell and she called me her Peter Pan. So she's forever my Tink and I'm our forever her Peter Pan. So I would like to bring on Miss Sonia Selby and welcome, my dear. It is so good to see you. And I can't wait to hear your voice because there are some people in this world that you missed the the sound of their voice and I've, I've missed the sound of your voice. So I'm actually glad to sit here and talk with you today. Toodles. Oh, hey, darling. Gosh. I can't believe it's been that long. It's been a minute. It's been a minute. And I still look like I'm 12. Uh, we Because we're forever young, because we're in Neverland. That's why. I know. I should have been in my Never Everland room today. Yeah. My husband hates it. I have a whole room that's just dedicated. Well, then we'll just come down and play and we'll sprinkle some pixie dust and we'll just oh, do yeah. our thing. I mean, you're not too far away. You're in Nashville and I need to take I'm a in trip. Nashville, Tennessee, almost 20 years. I've moved a couple of times. I think I've lived in more America than most original Americans, although I am an American now. Yeah. So I've lived in Minnesota, South Dakota. Um, Florida, California, but mostly in Nashville, Tennessee. I, I know you Brit live in the Southern lifestyle, you know, I why know. not? I know. I'm so, so y'all. Yeah. Y'all y'all. Um, so I'm just going to go with the questions and, yeah. you know, I just really want to know, and it's going to be a different perspective because you're a kind of first Brit to be on, and I know it's a whole different thing is because I've known the British lifestyle. I know I've worked with many people from the UK and the training's different. Everything's a little bit different. So I just kind of want to know where you got your start and how did you get your start in this, in this sh little thing we call show business? I went to the age of three. I went to a theater school in England. It wasn't like one of those, if you're familiar with theater schools, it wasn't one of those big London ones where parents pay a fortune and you board. It was a local theater school, but we did all the main shows, tours, and we worked for a hugely famous comedian in England who left us about three, four years ago, Ken Dodd. He had these funny characters called the Diddy Men. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I started my career with him at the age of seven. 
And we were, we were dressed up these big roly-poly costumes. We had the most excellent names. I was a little character called Nigel Ponsonby Smallpiece. <laughs> um, but yeah, I worked my entire childhood with him. We did a lot on the BBC. Um, we had a little record out for a while. We even made it on Top of the Pops, which is something to Google. That was a great show. Sarah Brightman came from Top of the Pops. Um, and in between all of that, I did like lots of different musicals, Joseph, Jesus Christ, Superstar, anything that a child would do in theatre. Um, I don't know how it is for the US, but we get licences, so we're allowed to work a certain amount of days a year as a child. Um, and then the policeman would be at the stage door and legally you had to be out at 10.15. Yeah, they have the child, like the child labor laws and the things in yeah. place over here. Like, you know, if you're on tour and I mean, we, we probably should find some kid actors to do that. Like, but yeah, if you're on tour and you're a young kid, like there's times and sets and things that you, there's rules that apply. Yeah. So I did that almost my whole childhood with other shows in between, but mostly I was the Diddy man and I used to sing in Ken's show. I'm only a poor little sparrow. It was my big solo. Um, but when I left Ken, I was 16 um, and I got my first job, first adult job when I was about 16 and a half. And I was employed as a dancer. I love this story. By He was one of the brothers in the national tour of Joseph and his amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. And he had remembered me. And last minute before the contract started, they found an extra man. Um, he was a triple threat. And so they had decided last minute to extend this cast to, I think it was 10 instead of eight. And they needed a girl to balance him out. So he called my teacher and said, how old is that girl from the front row with the big smile? <laughs> <laughs> said, she's 16 and a bit. Um, and so two weeks later, I was on my first grown up job in heels, fishnets, eyelashes, back combed hair. And then it never stopped. And then it never stopped. It's still going. It's still going now that, but now I sweat my lashes off. <laughs> <laughs> so was that a tour or was that a local gig or was, it was um, a seasonal, I guess like a summer stock equivalent mm -hmm. to the U S I was there for two years. Um, it was a British equity contract. We did similar things like the ships. They were like production shows. We had about 12 production shows. And then everybody had to do their own cabaret. So at 16, I had to do a 30-minute show of my own every week. And wow, that's a I, lot of responsibility for a 16-year-old. Mm -hmm. I have band charts. I call it my graveyard. My husband, two years ago, bought me a filing cabinet with 300 drop files for all my music charts. He came home. And he was like, wow, it's really full. You did a great job. Shall I take the empty boxes? And he went to lift one and it was still full. I don't know what that sound was. That just came across. Who knows what that was? I stroked I a key and something. It, it came across on my end, but who knows? Technical difficulties today. <laughs> Folks, we had a trouble getting up today and running on this Zoom call. It was Zoom uploaded a new thing. The camera didn't work. The sound didn't work. It was 
on her end and my end. So we, we had like a 20 minute delay. So it was a little bit getting started today. And can you explain what charts are? Cause you know, we have different people listening, you know, we have parents, moms and stuff. Can you explain for a singer since we've had mainly dancers and actors and we've had actors who sing, but they're like all in Broadway shows. Can you explain what a chart is? So a chart is the music for the orchestra, the band, or the pianist. We call them band charts in America. In England, if there's any Brits listening, they call them dots. Dots? Dots. I've never heard that. Yeah. D-O-T-S? So D-O-T-S. So that's what I used to get. I used to go to clubs and give the boys my dots. Or they'd hmm. ask, say, where are my dots? I don't know how I feel about that. I'd give the boy my dots. I hmm. know, right? Right. I didn't know charts until I was 22, 23. So, yeah, I mean, but I was primarily then a dancer. I would have said, which is quite funny for people like you and anyone that knows me now or who worked with me, that I was the strongest dancer at 16. And um, it didn't last much longer. But at the time, I was like the principal girl. And I only <laughs> sang a little bit. Well, in England, just, I mean, we'll have some UK dancers on later on and they can explain their journey. But when you grow up, it's different than the States. Your dancing training in the UK is different than what we get in a studio atmosphere, even in ballet academies here, because we ha you grew up on what they call RAD, the Royal Academy, right? And well, so there's levels yeah. that you have to complete doing that and pretty much all of uk uses that and in the us it's a hodgepodge of what you do whether you're a competition studio or you can be a baganova studio you can be an abt you could be a balancing studio and you do take level tests but pretty much in the uk and australia and different commonwealth countries you have that rad program set that you have to go up through the levels am i correct absolutely i did idta and uka um, even though I went to a theatre school, most theatre schools, it's a little looser. But at my school, if you wanted to be in shows, you had to take your exams and you had to pass. Um, my teacher wouldn't let most of the girls from our school would end up being Bluebell girls mm -hmm. or they would go to Hong Kong. In fact, it's funny because, you know, these kids would be Diddy men, <laughs> these roly poly girls. Um, and then later on, they would be like the most phenomenal showgirls. In fact, Miss Elva used to be the principal at the Moulin. Oh, uh -huh, yeah. She was there forever and a day. And so she took a lot of the girls from our school. But we were not allowed to audition or do anything unless you had taken your teachers, which is your associates. Uh huh. Because our teacher would like us to leave with something to do once we retired from dancing. She always pushed that into us, that you need your teaching um, diploma, mm -hmm. certificate, as we call it. So I left with my ballet tap, my jazz teachers, but I also did further with my ballet. I went back at 23, 24 um, so that I could be an examiner in the future. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And so, I mean, that's a great journey that in itself, I mean, you were 16 doing things like that, but you were, you were, what would you say? Were you a great singer? Were you mediocre? Or were you just kind of experimenting? You had a decent voice and you learned because obviously you're a fantastic vocalist now, or was it a talent that was undiscovered in you? We had a singing teacher, 
but there would be about 50 kids in the room. There was never any one-on-one. So it was pretty much what you put into it. I've told people forever that I still keep up to this very day. In fact, when I teach, I teach exactly what Mrs. Keithney taught me. But for me, it's life experience that makes the difference between any vocalist. Okay. Breathing is great. Technique is great. But what you bring is way bigger. Um, Every song for me is a journey through life. Um, Every lyric means something. But then you get a lot of singers where they just sing the song and there's no emotion. And it can sound just as beautiful if it's technical. Right. But sometimes I like to just say, as long as I'm breathing good, I'm making the right sounds with my face. Put the rest of it in from your own heart. Yeah. Ah. So where did you progress from there? So we were 16, you're doing your tours. And then how, where did your journey, where did your pathway continue from there? So I always thought that I would carry on and do theater after that. Um, yeah, it left, makes sense. You're on television, you're dancing, you're doing musical theater. So yeah, that would be left, the, that'd be the I next, left, next yeah. natural step. I left there with about three or four different shows under my belt with band charts. Um, and my band charts at the time were your dots. My dots were for a three-piece band, so that was piano, bass, and drums only. Um, and then I realised the auditions going down to London were like seventy pounds back then to get the train, and I lived a good distance away. It was far too expensive to live there unless you had work or family. Mm-hmm. So I started singing in the cabaret clubs. I used to make 30 pounds for 30 minutes. So I would do three shows a night, three nights a week and give my mom and dad some money. And then I'd use the rest for train fares. Oh, I love your mom and dad. I love them. I know. They were amazing. They are amazing. And I did like lots of different shows in between doing my show. But within 12 months of being on the cabaret circuit, I won three awards. And these couple of nights that I did, ended up being almost my entire week um it was huge it really took over my life but i didn't drive my dad was a milkman oh uh, yeah my dad would take I remember me to that. The gigs and then but listen to that people he was a milkman i mean if you're if you're listening to this in the states i mean we just don't have that and i've met her parents a couple times and i have fond memories of her dad um if you don't know, quick story, when I first got on my contracts, you know, I'm a country boy. We pushed our food with our fingers and I worked with all Brits, my first contract. And I was told I can't sit at the same table with them unless I learn to eat with my knife and fork. And when I learned how to eat properly, I'll always remember this. I was telling this story to a client today when I was working out um, that Sonia's dad, when I had dinner with them the first time in the dining room, he was like, oh, Yeah. You eat pretty proper for an American. You don't push your bloody food around like a Neanderthal. So I always remember that. And I was like, oh, all right. I guess that, that's a win if I know how to eat with my knife and fork. I mean, call a spade a spade, your dad did. That's huge with my dad. Yeah, dinner at the table. Are you oh, leave? he was so super impressed. Finished all of it. Oh, he was so super impressed that I could use a knife and a fork. Mm, that's funny because every yeah. time I would go home, he would have a go at me for eating with my fork. Oh, yeah. Something. Get that knife and pick it up. And I remember later on when we had dinner again with you, you Drew and I, and he was from Australia, and he was like, I like you. You're pretty cool for a penal colony, boy. 
Uh, my dad had no filter. No filter. It was amazing. All. Oh my gosh. All right. So continue on. That was a little sidebar. So he no, was a milkman. He it. would drive you. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he worked from three till 10 every morning, but he would take me to the gigs at night and we would get home between one and three. And then he would just turn around and go and do his milk round. Amazing. Amazing, amazing dad. He was so supportive, but we just couldn't keep it up. Um, Clubland in England was not for the faint-hearted, especially at my, the age that I was. Um, and I loved doing my show, but I didn't feel at the time that I was prepared to keep doing it. Um, so I literally woke up one day and I saw an audition. I was like, I've never been out of the country. Um, and so I went to an audition for a cruise line. And I had decided in my head, which was random because I'd done a million auditions, and I always thought you should prepare. But for this one, I didn't prepare. I just thought, I want to leave the country and see the world and maybe grow up a little bit and just find out who I am. Mm -hmm. And I went down to London and I got the job like straight away. Um, and it was kind of funny because I think I was kind of full of it. Well, I was full of it because I marched in there like I'm going to get this. Yeah. If I look back at myself now. I think I'm a little bit more grounded. Um, but that was on Holland America. And I was cast as the dance captain. Um, Did you go in as a vocalist or as a dancer? I went in as a vocalist. I went to rehearsals as a vocalist who, who danced. And during the first three days, the choreographer, um, Lonnie, I can't remember his name now, um, pulled me aside and offered me dance captain. He said I, I had a good head on my shoulders and I was picking up the choreography really well. My cast were all seasoned pros except for the four dancers. It was um, a very unique cast because it was a cast of eight singers who moved Okay. And then four dancers. Yeah, that was the, back in the day where you had a lot. There wasn't the productions and a lot of ships had singer dancers. There wasn't the singer and there wasn't the dancer. It was combined. You had to kind of be double. You had to be both. Yeah. yeah. And it's funny because that particular cast, a lot of the singers went on to have the most awesome careers. Two of us are now doing the same job, which is hysterical. Um, one of the guys I worked with three more times after that, over a 25-year span, which was hysterical. Um, Lenia Rideout, she's huge on Broadway. She's done a lot now. But vocally, it was one of the greatest shows I had ever done was to work with that talent. Mm. They were leaps and bounds ahead of me at that time. Um, I didn't really, even though I was doing well on the circuit, the cabaret circuit, um, as a vocalist, I always kind of thought I wasn't just an entertainer who sang okay. I wouldn't have said I was a stronger vocalist then as I am now. Right. I mean, I we I grow. Confused. That's what we do in our career, right? We reflect back and we're like, ooh, look where we are. Well, yeah. And I think in my mind, you know, I'd spent my whole life training to be a dancer. Right. And it was only because of that job at 16 where I was forced to sing that suddenly I was like, oh, now I'm a grown woman almost. Well, you think you're grown at 20. Um, I think I'm grown now and I'm uh, not. <laughs> I don't know when it's going to happen for me. Someone told me that I was 51 and a half and I think they're having a laugh. Right. But no, I went and I did a cruise ship um, and 
the greatest experience hands down in my life um within three weeks of being on the ship i kept mithering the cruise director i have a show i have a show um but it never really worked out i think i got to sing the odd song here and there but on that particular contract i just would watch all the other entertainers and it was that's when it became weird for me because i had already come from that mm -hmm. so i'd watch some entertainers and go oh phenomenal and then i'd watch others and go well my show could it's just as good um but finding yourself from british clubland and then becoming at least in that time of life um becoming a cruise ship one woman show was unheard of you know you had to be somebody back you, then mm -hmm. you had to be a name you've had to win a competition you've had to yeah. be on the circuit you know it's kind of like Nobody cared at that point that I had won the awards I had. Um, and I used to, I, I opened for Edwin Starr. Whoa, <gasps> what is it good? I didn't know who he was. That's a great story we can go back to. I had opened for him for six months in the UK. And then I went and was a cast member. So I was messing around with my ego a little bit. Um, but I was really grateful for the travel. And I learned so, so much. I got the bug. I got the bug. You got the bug. And I thought, what a great life to see yeah. the world. And the shows are, I don't think it matters what cruise line you're on. The shows are just top notch, especially now. Now that Especially like, now. Forget about it. Um, so that's what I did. I, I then went to Royal Caribbean. And within my first contract at Royal Caribbean, they would start using me as an opener. So I would do 10, 15 minutes before some of the other acts. And then eventually I would get like the welcome aboard show or farewell show. And I fought tooth and nail. Like from then on in, um, Todd, my whole cruise ship career was all about how do I get out now and get back to what I do. And that's true. I remember. I yeah. I remember it was. I remember that topic of conversation between you and I several times because on different contracts, like it was a fight because you had to fight for your spot and you were good enough and you were a lead vocalist, but you were, you know, you still had to fight to get your spotlight even back and then so and you'd already difficult. had it. It's so difficult because, you know, I think about it differently now. You know, those acts were contracted to come on and do their show. So mm -hmm. somebody somewhere has to lose time or energy within their own shows to allow me to go up and do my thing. And they'll be like, oh, you're putting your own show together, which happens, as you and I know, a lot. There are a lot of people that join cast and then later on say, um, this is what I'm going to do now. But I came from a unique spot in the fact that I was an act before I came to ships. But then trying to tell people that and explain it was really, really rough. So I would do a contract. Then I would go back to England and I would do six, seven months back in the club scene. Um, and that's really where things changed for me. I started working. I opened for Edwin Starr, The Drifters. A lot of Motown acts have had huge careers in England. Right. What we call holiday camps. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know what the equivalent here is. I want to know either, but I would like to say, and now you've got me thinking it and I never really thought about it. 
even now when I'm on a ship and this world, it's not of what it is, even back then. And I still take cruises now and I keep up with some of the entertainers like Kenny James and other people. If I go back and reflect, I know you just got to love Kenny. He is amazing. I should call him to get him on, but you guys are always cruising and stuff like that, but I should call him. Um, you, Judy Colba, and I think it was, her name was Dolores. Dolores. I loved her. Yeah. Like if you think about, then there were jugglers, there were singers, there was this, but really on the circuit and you weren't there because you were in a cast. I never really thought about it. Those two women and all my years of ships, everyone else was a male act or it was a male, like female, male, female variety act or a singer. There wasn't cabaret female singers performing their own show i never really yeah. thought about that until now no and you know and and there still I've really always, isn't no and it's quite i've always thought i it took me a while to settle into who i am i'm not your beauty queen stand up in a gown and sing whitney houston type female act right i'm very much a product of my upbringing within the world of variety in old 70s 80s england I laugh at myself now because now I'm grown. Now I accept who I am, what works for me and what is more a more natural version of me on stage. I'm I'm a little bit quirky. You know, my voice is not of the Whitney Celine Dion generation either. I'm an old school entertainer. It's very hard to sell something like that. Yeah. It's really hard. And you um, have to sell yourself because everyone wants that big competition vocal and you're you know that's not who you are you're your own brand no when i i remember when i first sent um and you're amazing movie. and oh, you're amazing you. i'm really it was all you shouldn't I've, I've always said in the industry you should never have like a peak where you say that's what i want to do and i don't want to do anything else but seriously it was in my life the entire career that's what i wanted is to just have my own show. Of course, now I need to take it off the ships and have it in Vegas with a bunch of showboys. Um, Can so I choreograph? Dreaming and aspiring. I always give myself 10 year plans and I try and accomplish something huge within my career in that 10 year bracket. Um, no matter how old you are, always have goals mm. and listen Good. and learn so from those around you. I call it that. Um, little library in your brain. Even when you know something in this industry, you know, you'll get people who will be given advice and they'll be like, yeah, I know. Instead of just saying, oh, thank you. Um, even if you know, just say thank you because that person is offering you help. Put it in your library in your brain. And then one day you might need to ruffle through that um, cabinet and pick out that file and go, do you remember that person told me this? So now I'm going to remember that today. That is amazing advice. Say that one more time because it's like that, that is amazing advice. Oh. I don't think enough of this generation says thank you. It's huge. Did you ever work with um, Richard Waits? Maybe you should do one of these with Richard. Um, who's done um, phenomenally on Broadway. But when I worked with him on The Majesty, I learned so much from him then. And he used to tell me about being polite to people on um, who are climbing through their career because as your career starts to dissipate, um, 
you would want them to be polite to you back. And I had a dance captain once, and I'll probably have him on too, that I was taught, and I think it just came by habit, that when he would give me a note, and this is one of my first contracts at Opryland, and at that time I was at best mediocre, um, he gave me the greatest, why he loved me. And the next year I took over as dance captain and was dance captain for that show for the next three years, that the reason he knew I was listening and I never fought back or said, had an excuse for a note is exactly what you said. I never thought about that until you just said it. Every time he would give me a note, I would say, thank you. Mm -hmm. And I took the note. Yeah. Take now the I note. might forget. Yeah. Take the because note. It's always coming from goodness. Um, I don't know if you know this, but we have a good friend, Vicki Davis. She's coming on. She's coming on. We've already talked, oh, but she's gosh. on busy season right now. She's setting up a bunch of shows. Yeah. So I worked with Vicky outside of being in her casts um, later on in life. I started being her vocal director for she created all the singer sets. Yeah. And a, and a good friend of ours, Scott, when he retired, they contacted me and said, you know, would you like to start doing these for us? I didn't have the time in my life, unfortunately, to give it all that it was worth. But I would do the takeouts of all the new builds. And I adore Vicky to the moon and back. And I know. Scott. I saw her last January. My oh, heart. She's my heart. phenomenal. I learned so much from that lady. So much from that woman. And um, I love the fact now that she was my boss, but now she's my friend. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I learned doing all the directing because I went from those projects to installing the production shows. There, there you go. A different pathway. I mean, look where you've taken, right? You've had a different pathway. I had never, ever thought about it. Um, I didn't even know if I'd be any good. I'm not um, a musically trained singer. So I read sheet music um, a little bit but I'm mm -hmm. really not that accomplished and I plunk on a piano, but I've got a great ear. Um, so I would learn everybody's material verbatim in my head so that I could hear if somebody was doing something wrong, but I'm good at sound. Um, I'm really good at EQs and working aboard and I get the product. Um, that was huge. That's changed me as a person um, with my own product. Whereas I used to just be very organic on stage now I actually plan things a little better and I sit back and watch videos of myself and give myself notes. Which so I the think... directing and putting that together made you better for who you were and to Absolutely. take it back into your career now. Yeah. And, you know, you meet different people like the arranger that we used, um, which is the gentleman that writes all the music for shows. The gentleman that worked with me, we did a project together when the Oasis of the Seas came out and I emailed him at the end and said, "Ooh, can I send you a DVD of the finished show? I'd love you to see it. So he sent me his address and he lived half a mile from me in Nashville. And we had spent six months, maybe a little less, talking over emails, sorting these band charts out and he lived half a mile from me. He's now the arranger for my shows. So now he writes all the music for my shows and we are a beautiful fit together. So when you have these pathways, it's amazing who you meet along the way and why it's hugely important to be polite, to listen. <laughs> I'm not the best at that because I do talk a lot. Um, um, same. 
Same. Still learning that lesson. Still learning that lesson. If I was hosting you, I'd be like, wait, let's talk about me now. <laughs> but no, Still you... learning that lesson. Yeah, it's huge. My husband tells me all the time. When I'll come back from having dinner with a friend, he'll be like, so what questions did you ask? Ah. <laughs> what? It wasn't about me? What? <laughs> I know. Well, some of us like to talk. There's nothing wrong with that. No. It is important to make sure that you stop and listen to others too. Mm. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm going to write that down today. Let's take that lesson today. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I did the directing and occasionally I still get calls to go do it and love it. I love it with a huge passion because I get to pass on all the little things that I've learned, like how to fix my fishnets. And so, you know, I sit the girls down and show them how to do that because, you know, I, I'm a big seamstress. Yeah. That's my little outside hobby. And um, yeah, little things like if you are doing a song and dance number, first of all, tell yourself the lyrics as a monologue into a mirror. And keep telling yourself that just in a spoken word until you believe everything on your own face. Then sing the song again and it will be a completely different beast. Then take it onto a treadmill and then try and sing it without sounding like you've smoked a packet of cigarettes or you've ran around three blocks. Um, I love to do things like that. that. That was the joy of passing things on is that because... You're not just passing it on to make yourself feel good, which mm -hmm. is huge to always do, but you're passing it on so that our trade can at least have some continuity and keep that old school professionalism. It's roots. great that new things happen all the time, but roots. sometimes, yeah, the roots of entertainment, dance, vocals, music, the roots are more important than the natural progression of it. Does that make sense? No, I, this is exactly what I always tell my students. And that's, yeah. it's when I'm teaching, it's like, you have to stick to the roots. That's like, you know, you have all this new choreography, but I mean, you have all this contemporary stuff, but you know, you need to know just in dance and in vocal styles and everything where your roots, you need to know your Graham, you need to know your Ailey, you need to know your Fosse. It's not about triple turns, hold your leg mm -hmm. up and all that. You need to go to who founded us, your our Luigi, and for, you know, your vocalist, your stylistically, who who helped you along. You got to stick to those performing roots that, that our teachers passed on to us. Because now well, as we need to pass on what our teachers passed on to us. Because that's where... You know, people become, I shouldn't say more talented. There's the difference between being chorus. Chorus is the most important part in any show. It's the root and the core of everything that there is. If you will feel like you're worthy of something else, if everyone has the same roots, that's where a star comes from. It's because they'll just, they'll naturally be able to add that. Little say that again. Time. That's magical. I love that. Because it, it makes... So Say that again. How did how did you word that? Because I'm going to go back and listen to it. But that was magical. Don't that how what whatever phrase you just said that was pure magic right there. Yeah, I can't remember now how I said it. Oh God! We'll now we'll just to have go to go back, back and I'm going to have to replay like when that. When you have the chorus, the chorus is your core. Yeah. And then you know, when you go to an audition, you want to stand out a little bit more. That's when somebody's natural ability 
will have the sprinkle of magic on top. Yeah, they teach that. No, the fairy dust comes out. When people are like, I'm going to do this. I'm like, I used to, when I teach, um, or I direct, I've had conversations with singers. When I vocal direct, I am a therapist, not a performer. I'm not a singer. I'm a therapist. Most singers have so much going on in their heads, which makes the difference between a really good singer and a great singer mm-hmm. is what they can leave behind when they stand on zero. But a lot of them have so much baggage that you have to go through all of that to get them from the wing to that moment. Bizarre. Um, I've never had that issue, um, but I'm I'm learning to understand that with the younger performers. But then they'll tell me their Broadway aspirations, which is normally, you know, the, the big thing that most people want to do now is progress to Broadway. So I've always told everybody, before you go to an audition, if you desperately want the job, put yourself behind the table, put yourself in the auditions table and you're casting for a role. Did you see the show first? Most people have never seen the show that they, they're auditioning for. So go see the show, then look at that character, go home, maybe record yourself, which we can all do then. We couldn't do that back then. No. Um, But genuinely look at yourself and say, would I cast me in that role? Good advice. Good advice. I've I've been to some shows. I went for Greece. So I played Sandy in Greece when I was 17 and a half. And then I auditioned for the UK tour mid-20s. And they gave me the script for Frenchie. And I was absolutely horrified. Just horrified. Heartbroken. I'm like, why am I not doing Sandy again? I now learn, as I've matured, that I was Frenchie. Yeah, you are. But at the time, in my head, I just wanted to do Sandy again. But in my mid-twenties, I became this version of me. And I wasn't that smart. So I'm always teaching people now moving forward. Go see the show. Be really legitimate in your choices and look and say, would I cast me in that role or would I be probably doing that part? There's nothing wrong with the other part. Because at the end of the day, it's a gig. It's money. It's a gig. And it adds to your resume. So don't be picky of what you got. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because if you keep being picky, you're not going to have anything. No. And before you know it, it's, o- it's over. It's over. You know, I'm so grateful for my teacher that she kept drumming into us because we were very much theatre kids. Like I say, we did do the exams, but we were all very like show busy, gypsy kids. Um, but she would always drum into us that you have to have a backup plan. Now, that kind of goes into a question, Mm -hmm. and I'm going to two-part this because we're kind of running out of time because we kind of got lost in our technical abilities. Let me just kind of weave that in as backup plan, and were you ever discouraged enough to go to your backup plan? I'm going to kind of weave all these questions and your final words of wisdom because I think we can kind of tie that all in today. No. So backup plan wanted to Um, quit and what's the final words of wisdom never wanted to quit okay because i think you fought so hard i think you fought so hard to get where you are you didn't want to quit so that was your fight you weren't going to quit yeah i mean i will 100 percent 
perform no matter what. We've joked about it, but maybe Oh, I've one seen you day. perform in the hallway with a life jacket and a whistle. I mean, That's we're good. That's how my husband met me. Um, <laughs> he tells everybody, he said, there was this girl, she was so annoying in the morning, really happy. I was like, what is her thing? And so he hung out with me. Now he got me. But um, no, I, I think because I grew up in the industry, I don't know anything else. For me, it's this is my life. Mm -hmm. um, but I have strung a lot of bows within the industry um so i like to think that there are many opportunities within the entertainment world that i can fit into but i'm really i don't take my headspace there like i'm still very much on my next 10 year plan of what i'm doing next and then i'm choreographing that show right and then you're choreographing that show and i'm going to come out in a giant teapot a teapot <laughs> Here we go with the creations like we used to. I've already done. It's been in my head. <laughs> I've got sitcoms ready. You know. All right. We're ready. I, feathers. I mean, we're going to have to have feathers. I, I'm I'm creating every day. My husband just yesterday. I've only been home for two days. And my husband yesterday grabbed me and held me really tight. Told me to breathe and switch everything off. And that I should perhaps just not work for a few days. But for me, it's not work. It's who I am. It's what mm -hmm. wakes me up in the morning. I'm very dedicated um, to my career. I love it to pieces. I'm lucky that I have a supportive husband. It's very difficult industry to maintain relationships and friendships with your family can be very difficult. Um, but it's such a rewarding, rewarding um, gig. It's not always the best. Plan. And you're always on the road. And so that's a supportive husband as well. Hugely. I mean, I've just been gone. I came home for 20 hours the other week. But if you take that 20 hours away, I was gone for six weeks, which was long for us. But oh, my gosh, Todd, I'm so lucky. You know, the down days would be the days where I'm at sea for three or four days. But I do photography for a hobby. I have oh, a yeah. channel. I have so many projects entertainer friends literally i just had dinner with them the last night the crew go ahead and plug your socials your youtube go ahead and plug yeah. those right now they were like where were you sonia and i said i've been working so i have a youtube channel i started in the pandemic about public domain songs which are basically songs that are free right they're license free um and there's no library of it anywhere um in the world wide web i googled it so I am now the queen of the public domain. I've made friends with Congress and copyright.gov. And I leave historical references. I always sing the original song with the original lyrics and melody. I don't divulge melodies and songs, even though I'd like to, because they don't all suit me. I think long after I've gone, some of the most beautiful pieces ever written um, will still be there long after I've gone. So I'm on episode 52, released today. Um, which was my Christmas episode. Um, but yeah, I filmed them all over the place. It's a little harder now because I'm busier, but I'm busy with that. That's also teaching me social media because I am over 50. Um, not that age is everything. I joke about it in my show, but in this industry, it's super duper important to keep learning and keep growing, find out what's going on in the news, who's in the charts right now. Ugh, I can't stand most of it but I pay attention mm -hmm. um, and I put the odd modern song in my show to brighten things up a little bit. Um, try and choose something that sort of semi suits me. 
but it's huge no matter what your pathway in life is is that you wake up every morning and you inspire yourself don't wait for somebody to tell you how good you are don't wait for all of that praise which is a huge amount of people in this industry like their egos to be petted we all do right but it can hold you back so don't wait for that wake up in the morning have a plan have a reason to get out of bed friend said to me once all you have to do is wake up and open your curtains and make your bed and you will feel great straight away because you know it's it's a hard industry no matter what age whether you're a beginner media advanced or an old showgirl with kicking her legs up stage. there yeah you have to believe in yourself you have to get yourself out of bed you have to put the work in you can't wait for others you can meet people on your way who you say thank you to but you have to put the work in when you do that others will see others will respect you i think that's where i've been lucky in my career is that i've worked with some amazing people through my career who have then in tenfold returned things to me. Um, and we've discussed that several times. I think every person, it comes back to you in this industry. If you do good, you get those things back and it crosses. It's like kind of how you had those jobs with Vicky, right? Like Vicky's offered me jobs now, you know, and I'm interviewing to go back with Royal. And I had my meeting with Enrique and Enrique. I mean, I was, how's that work? Like I was Enrique's dance captain and now Enrique's doing my interview. I mean, and I was his guide on his first contract. So it does kind of have this ebb and flow of pathway. So here I am 20 years later asking Enrique for an interview to go back on and do the parades and other jobs. And, you know, he respected me. And, you know, we did two contracts together. And I mean, he took care of me when I was sick and my appendix was falling out. So fed me ice chips in the hospital bed. But I mean, how's that work? I mean, that's- I love Enrique. Uh, we installed um, the serenade together. Yeah, he's amazing. And he so does. I love how that, like you said, it comes full circle and you it gotta does. be kind. It does. And, you know, then your circle pretty much stays the same. Scott Bridgman used to call me the mothership do you remember when we had Facebook when it st first started and it had the friendship wheel? Yeah. I don't know how him and I started talking about it, but I've mentioned it to a lot of people through the industry since. I'm not a big cheese. I've done really well for myself um, in the world of entertainment that I'm in. I'm mm -hmm. very, very proud of myself. Um, but I'm not like the be all and end all. But I am connected to the most random people. And, and that's so why I started this. Sonia, everybody knows Sonia. She's the mothership. <laughs> right. And that's why I started this podcast. And that's how that started. It literally was me walking the dogs. And I was like, I want to start a podcast. And I'm like, well, what I talk about? And what you just said, mm, we're vibing today. That I was like, I know a lot of people. I know a lot of people. You are one of the most beautiful human beings I've ever worked with. It's funny. I think when you. Um, oh, I'll thank you. Probably discussed this before, but when you work a contract with anybody, you become really tight like family. But when you work a contract with people on a cruise ship for six whole months, it's a friendship like no other. You don't have to speak every single day. Like you've not changed. You've got a bit of hair going on. Oh, this is <laughs> recent. What's up there? <laughs> but, the blonde you know, locks I, all fell off, so I grew no. it down here. 
Sonia, um, thank you. That was beautiful and sweet. You are. I, I told my husband, I went, oh, my God. Do you know what's really funny, Clark, is the fact that it's it's my Peter. Tink and Peter. Oh. In fact, one of the entertainers that supported me in my career, in the early days of cruise ships, um, there were very few guest entertainers. That's what they call the people like myself who fly in and off ships doing a show. There were very few. We knew them all. They were phenomenal. And now, apart from Judy, who God rest her has retired, phenomenal. Right. They're all still going. Mm -hmm. And they were my friends and then my, my supporters back then. And now they're still my friends and supporters. But Oscar Silvera, El Gaucho. Um, and El Gaucho dressed up as mm -hmm. Captain Hook for me yeah. one Halloween. He had the long curly hair. And he hired the most phenomenal costume just to, like, make me feel good about being Tink. Uh, but, yeah, Kenny James has been a great friend. Jeff DeVasia, LaBent. Mm -hmm. um, Dolores was my idol. Yeah. She was the epitome of what I thought a great female cabaret mm -hmm. entertainer should be. Um, now it's a very saturated market. Very, very, very saturated and it's so unique for me because now I look and people are now just creating shows. They don't have the same opportunities that I had to work my show on land four or five nights a week with right. very unique audiences. Now you're literally having to write a show, get up there and hope for the best. And I feel really blessed that I have a lot of ammunition now in my pockets. Um, but what a life. And I, I've always, and as I said, working with you, and I, I'll, I'll wrap it up here, working with you and having you on today, it's one of those things that I looked forward to. Some of the guests I've had on, I've actually seen or been with before, and I've not seen you for so long. And I was so looking for it because I have such fond memories of you as well, and our antics and our laughs and our made up shows that we would do. And so- yeah. And as I said, just to hear your voice, sometimes to hear someone's voice, it's a little bit of like, oh, to your heart and to have you and see you. It's been wonderful today. And I appreciate you sharing your experience and your knowledge. You had some really good bits in there that people need some good kindness and some good opportunities of how to grow in this industry. And I so appreciate you coming on today. Oh. I love you, Toodles. I'm oh, I love you, beautiful babe. Beautiful that you're doing this. I really do. I oh, thank you. A lot more goodness in the world. You haven't changed the slightest, and we were the naughtiest and funniest little duo together. <laughs> we had such harmless fun. We did. We really did, and I love you to pieces. Thank you very much for having me on. I love you too, and thank I've you got for to coming. Do my arts and crafts project now. You got to go do your arts and crafts. So I would just like to say thank you again to Sonia. Everyone wave. It's awesome. She's great. And like, share, and subscribe. And we will be back next week. Sonia, you stay on here with me a moment. And then I'm just going to shut down. But we'll be back next week for another episode of Pathways. And thank you again for listening. And have a great day.